Live from the next cast, Phanthropological Institute. This never happened to the other podcast. Today we're talking about James Bond fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fans I view to you. Today, we're talking about fans of 007. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Uh, I'm a fan of 008, personally. No, wait, 006. I changed oh, my answer. Oh. <laughs> and Nick Z. Sean Bean will always be my James Bond. What? Wait, <laughs> what? I, feel, I, think I'm, I think I'm in the wrong podcast. Where's the ejector seat? I don't know what the right podcast for that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for this episode, we're also joined by a longtime friend of the show, Tom. Hello. Hey, Tom. Mysterious Tom O. Indeed. Should <laughs> I do some sort of James Bond pun here? That would be. Do you have one? That would be amazing. <laughs> it would be shocking. Positively shocking. Oh. <laughs> are you? Mission are you? Are you? Ha- are you happy or sad when you hear those puns? Nah. Um, both at the same time. <laughs> Not necessarily ones that you already know are coming, but like when you hear another, another one that you that you hadn't caught before, is it just like? Yeah, a lot of them are pretty awful. At first, it was like, "Oh, isn't he clever?" But then I think I think they're just trying to make them awful. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of times they they come up with the pun first and then just build the scene around that, <laughs> and it's just so terrible. It's the best way to write. Yeah, exactly. Pun forward. <laughs> so he writes. It's true. So that's the first in our, our few uh, fan effects. Fandom facts. I do have a number of fandom facts for this week. In case you didn't know who James Bond was, uh, we're talking about James Bond this week. James Bond is a fictional British Secret Service agent created by Sir Ian Fleming way back in 1953. Fleming wrote Bond into 12 novels and two short story collections. I tried to find out if Ian Fleming wrote anything else, and the answer is not really. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, did he? Yes. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Apparently, I'm not very good at the research part of this show. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Did oh. my research when I was eight. Once <laughs> <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> uh, even though Ian Fleming passed away in 1964, Bond has only become more popular, starring in 24 films, and also eight other authors have officially continued The Adventures of James Bond. Uh, the first Eon production James Bond movie, which is, I guess, the main production company behind the Bond movies, uh, was Dr. No, which was released in 1962. There are also two non-canonical movies, which I hope we don't talk too much about, but are God, unavoidable. Uh, Casino Royale, a 1967 spoof, and Never Say Never Again, a 1983 remake of an earlier Eon-produced film, Thunderball. Hmm. The fandom is actually not as old as I would have thought that it was, despite you know the James Bond character being created way back in 1953. The first fan club didn't show up until 1972, was created by two high school students from Yonkers, New York, uh, and in hmm. 1974 started publishing a magazine called I kid you not, Bondage. <laughs> uh, bondage Quarterly started in 1974. Um, what's interesting as far as our fandom research is that it's it's different and it was a zine that didn't have any fan fiction in it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the zines we talk about on the show, full fan fiction, not so much in this case. Um, hmm. In 1998, which is also kind of late as far as internet activity kind of goes, a popular Bond fan site, MI6HQ, shows up, and that was kind of like an interesting take on the origins. In terms of his James Bond more or less popular, Google Trends data, which goes back to 2004, shows that it's been on a really slow decline, but it's still pretty popular, especially around the movies, which have uh, several have come out since 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that I did not realize were a thing, and I'm not super happy are a thing uh some fan terms that i came across mostly Mm. uh the classic verse referring to connery uh through pierce brosnan era of james bond and the craig verse which is the worst name for a universe (laughs) ever yeah 
Like, <laughs> that, that just makes me want the next one to be, like, Steven something so that it can be the <laughs> Steven universe. <laughs> it's it's inherently going to be called, like, the new or modern mm-hmm. race. It's not yeah. going to be Craig plus next person who's playing Bond <laughs> verse. Yeah. I definitely got the impression that Daniel Craig is kind of standing alone right now as, as Bond. Just in the fandom's uh, fandom's view. Well, there seems to be like a hard, harder line but drawn between his movies and all the rest of the movies. Mm-hmm. Like the the gap between, was it Die Another Day and Casino Royale? Yep. Is like slightly longer than others, but not like especially so. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, if I could, uh, if I could throw it over to Tom, uh, why do you think that is? Like, what is it about Daniel Craig's Bond that makes him different enough to have his own universe? Yeah. So after uh, Die Another Day came out, uh, the movies were just kind of getting more and more ridiculous with every uh, every iteration, <laughs> um, <laughs> culminating in the you know invisible car driving through an ice <laughs> palace uh, being destroyed yep. by a sun laser. In- so- <laughs> um, at the climax of that movie and so after that they're kind of like hey maybe let's just take a step back and uh you know get back to okay. some the original uh stuff and so they kind of rebooted it with daniel craig doing the dark yeah. gritty thing that all movies were doing in the mid 2000s and so i think a lot of people kind of took exception to that they were just like hey why don't we have this silly guy anymore why do we have another jason Bourne movie this should be james bond and so, yeah, i think a lot of people were kind of miffed by that even though the movies are so much better for it hmm. i saw it referred to as the batman begins of james bond yeah exactly that that is hmm. what it was just getting rid of all the the terrible stuff from the 80s and 90s and just getting it more grounded in reality mm-hmm. now that that's interesting because when pierce brosnan came on as as bond with goldeneye uh there had also been a, a long gap since the last not lazenby or is it lazenby Dalton. Dalton. There was also a large gap from Living Daylights, I'm going to guess. License, License to Kill. Ah, License to Kill. <laughs> I'll let Tom correct you, actually. <laughs> oh, <perfect. laughs> I'm used to being corrected, so this is great. Uh, there was there was also a large gap between those two movies, so I wonder why you know, it was the Brosnan-era movies that went to be more ridiculous before we got to Daniel Craig, before they started to get more realistic. Well, there was kind of a similar thing, actually. After uh, Roger Moore's movies, they also were getting more and more ridiculous by the end. Roger Moore was like <laughs> 80 by the time he finished. And they were just doing like jumping off the Eiffel Tower and doing all sorts of stupid <laughs> stuff. Um, and so they brought Dalton in and it was also a more, you know, grounded in reality, more gritty and dark. But, you know, Batman Begins hadn't happened yet. So people weren't really ready for that. They wanted more of that silliness and that kind of came back with Pierce Brosnan a bit. So I don't know. I feel like the Timothy Dalton stuff is kind of largely forgotten by most people, but it was basically an early version of the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah. He only did two, maybe huh. that's why. Yeah. Um, oh, we never revisited our famous last words. Tom and I did a, you know, uh, just before Skyfall came out, we watched all of the movies, I think over the course of a summer. And and I think we agreed that pretty much the first movie of every Bond is pretty good. Is that a gen- the general rule? Yes. It's like the, the even-numbered movies rule for Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And even like within the within the James Bonds themselves, it's kind of like, like Roger Moore's Every Other One is Good. Um, but yeah, hmm. there's patterns. Yeah. Interesting. So with Dalton, when they tried to make it I don't know, gritty, more, more realistic or gritty and reserved, and same with Craig, in both of those situations, did they try to hew closer to the books? Yes. Okay because my question was originally like is there is there a really big like movie versus book aspect of the fandom and i couldn't really find much of one yeah there is to some degree um there's some people that insist that honor majesty's secret service the only one with george lazenby um is the best movie i thought it was pretty good (laughs) yeah i disagree um but uh <laughs> but yeah they a lot of people like it because it so closely matches the books and it is the movie that is the closest to what the the books say um and same with uh, people that love timothy dalton or daniel craig they love it and the early sean connery they like it because it is so similar to the books 
Whereas, you know, the Roger Moore movies have nothing in common with the books whatsoever, but there's a whole <laughs> different group that just likes the zaniness of that instead. <laughs> you're, you're telling me that there wasn't a James Bond book about flying around on the Zeppelin causing earthquakes to sink California into the ocean. You're shockingly... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Although, to I be fair, the, to. Books, the books also had some ridiculous stuff. I believe the climax of Dr. No has James Bond fighting a giant squid in a tank for some reason. Um, so yeah, they're, so they're, not, they're not perfect by any means. <laughs> we missed a really good climax then in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Speak, well, speaking of the books and the movies, if I may step in with an answer to my famous last words. I had asked the very, uh, very pointed question. Was the iconic scene in Goldfinger of Bond being strapped to a table and the laser threatening to cut him in, in two lifted from the books or original to the movies? I believe it was original to the movies. Oh, no, yeah, it was, a, it was a saw blade, wasn't it, in the book? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. The laser part was original to the movies, but in the book, he's in a warehouse in Geneva, I guess tied down to a table, and a circular saw is cutting the table and almost him in half. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then in the movie, they brought in the laser because it would, you know, make it feel fresh and probably probably keep people from comparing Bond to, like, a classic uh, 1920s cartoon damsel in distress. Since anybody, you know, anybody in distress back then. They weren't being threatened by a laser made of gold. No, no. I did find it kind of interesting, though, um, that if that scene is, is convincing, I didn't really check it out unfortunately but if that scene's convincing then and now it's probably because there is somebody under the table with a blowtorch melting yeah. the gold so there actually is some danger to uh, to mr connery there yeah apparently it got a little too close for comfort too in that scene <laughs> if i recall they, yeah uh, went a little too far yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's what makes it so iconic just how real it seems he was sweating oh yeah it's all up there on film. <laughs> when did they run out of books to adapt? Depends if you're talking about storylines or the movie titles. Mm. Because they abandoned the plot lines pretty early on, despite still using all the same uh, same titles. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, there were only there were only 12 novels and 24 <laughs> movies, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I feel like... License to Kill is the first one that doesn't have the title of one of the books or short stories, but I could be wrong on that. Mm. But uh, but yeah, like the the plot to the movie Moonraker has nothing to do with the the book Moonraker at all. Mm. I'm gonna defer to Tom or anyone who might have looked into this. Uh, last week we had a, another guest, Epic Film Guys Nick, and yep. he asked. A very poignant Bond mm. question, which is why is Hank Scorpio the greatest Bond villain of all time? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that, Tom. Um, yeah, I have none. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to answer the question. Oh boy. <laughs> as, uh, as somebody who perhaps is not, uh, well, perhaps definitely is not uh, as big a Bond fan as Tom, um, I will an answer that question. <laughs> Attempt to. Oh, okay. Um, in my <laughs> in my researches uh, after my question, I did find out a little bit about uh, Goldfinger, the character, along with that scene and several other things from uh, the movie Goldfinger. He himself is quite iconic in the Bond universe as this villain who, at the same time, is both this you know this evil mastermind, but also just this down to earth guy cheats at golf. Still pays Bond when he wins. They talk about stuff over cocktails. I mean, that seems a lot like like Frank Scorpio. So I'm not sure. Hank, I, I think that's Hank why Scorpio. Frank Scorpio. Jeez, boy, oh boy, I really am in the wrong podcast tonight. <laughs> Hank Scorpio. Hank Scorpio seems very similar to Goldfinger, and that could be why. I mean, he's played by Albert Brooks. I think is uh, is near the top of the list. So far in the chat, we've talked a lot about James Bond, the movies, the character, things that actually happen in the show. What we're all about is the why. Why? 
why are people fans of James Bond? And and that's what I'm starting to dig us at. Why are people fans of James Bond? Tom, you sat through all of the James Bond movies with Nick. Many Green. times. I'm so sorry. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to start with, like, for you, why are you a fan of James Bond? Well, I mean, I think uh, people started saying this back in around the 60s, but, uh, you know, he's the guy that every guy wants to be and uh, all the girls want to be with, you know? He's, he's smooth. Austin Powers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Yeah, okay. Um, but no, you know, he's smooth, he's suave, gets the job done, uh, says something funny occasionally, you know, and uh, always comes through in the end. So, yeah, consistency and just, uh, you know, that established formula that you always know is going to come come through for you. That's one thing that I found a lot of, is people enjoy the formula of James Bond movies. It's got beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you have the unrelated cold, often unrelated cold open. Mm-hmm. You know, and he gets the assignment and then he gets the gadgets. <laughs> and then he goes to at least two to three more locales that are not near each other in the world. Just enough peril so you can feel it. <laughs> exactly. But not enough so if there's any real danger. Mm-hmm. Someone on our James Bond watched James Bond films to cope with anxiety. Hmm. And they talked about the structure, the stru- like the familiar structure yeah. and like. Really? And, you know, the way he always makes it out and so on. Yeah. So ultimately, like, are you more interested in a film that, like, has a really good version of the formula or, or would it would you be more interested if, if something like buck the formula entirely? Yeah, I think they... Apart from like James Bond dies. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they both have their merits. I mean, a lot of times the formula can just be very lazy where they're just clearly phoning it in and being... Connecting the dots. E- exactly. Um, but when they do it right, it's, uh, it's great. <laughs> one, one of my favorites, uh, one of the more underrated ones is uh, For Your Eyes Only, I think. And it has, you know... Mm-hmm. It has all the beats of a great movie. It's got the the ski chase, some underwater stuff. Oh. Great car chase. And it does the formula well. But then there's other ones where it's just, they're clearly just trying to stretch it um, and just do new things. Like the whole point of Octopussy is, hey, we're in India this time. We've never done that before, but it doesn't (laughs) make the movie good. Um, no, <laughs> but at the same time, then you get something like Casino Royale or Skyfall um, or License to Kill, which doesn't necessarily adhere to the formula very well, but is uh, still does a very successful job, at least in my opinion, of making a good movie. Well, in the case of Casino Royale, that one was more of a like, let's bring Bond into the modern times. We're going to make it more realistic. Yeah. Like <laughs> we see a very different Bond <laughs> who actually it's... has emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I didn't mean for that to come off as comedically, but like it's true. He he actually is starting to be a real kind of a person as opposed to a caricature or a yeah. silhouette. Yeah, you actually see him bleed and express pain throughout the movie. It's not just he's not walking through with a raised eyebrow like <laughs> Roger Moore would. Looking at everything. <laughs> May he rest in peace. Um, actually, actually, uh, got linked to a YouTube video called "What Makes a Character Relatable," and used Casino Royale as a as an example. And it talks about the moments that Bond has with Vesper Lind, and they have like actual human moments. Hmm. Yeah, and and you know you see you see his vulnerability, you see him bleed, you see him you see him thinking about stuff instead of doing stuff. Yeah. So you kind of see the gears the gears turning, as it were. Yeah. Do you think that's yet another reason why uh, James Bond fans tend to set the Daniel Craig movies apart from the uh, earlier Bond films? I'd say it feels more like a product of now. Yeah, they're they're more just good movies. They're not necessarily okay. James Bond movies. You know, they they tried going back to the the formula with uh, with Spectre because after Skyfall, everyone was like, "All right, we get it. James Bond is sad and depressed. Let's have some fun again. Let's go yeah. back to the established formula." And they did that exactly, and nobody cared. So I don't know what you know the audiences want necessarily. Maybe we'll just alternate between him being yeah. sad and then a formulaic <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah exactly I find that really interesting because one of the things you said Thomas it's like James Bond is kind of you know the man that every man wants to be and the man that every woman wants to be with and especially looking at at you know Casino Royale and the fact that the Craig era movies tend to be more realistic I don't know if that holds up anymore and I wonder if that has something to do with with 
people's different perspective on the James Bond movies ever since. Like retroactively now? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Hmm. Well, it's just like when you talk about this formulaic series, it's like you're also talking about a James Bond who is like misogynistic and and kind of sexist and whatnot. And that's that that like, frankly, that doesn't fly today. Like it was never really okay, but it doesn't it definitely doesn't (laughs) fly today. And I wonder if, you know, the the whole Daniel Craig era, you know, having a more human bond is just like, all right, we need to get Mm -hmm. to more of that. And I wonder if that kind of changes who James Bond as a character is. I think that it does. And I think that has much to do with like the way filmmaking and storytelling has changed in the last 60 years. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of the time he was coaching on being really cool. Mm-hmm. He's a cool character. And like at the time you could, you could be like, man, I, you know, I can aspire to be that guy. I know, you know, that some people are like that and those people are really cool. Also, what I thought was interesting is the specific stuff I read about uh, Fleming put in like he had specific brands. That he, you know, his shampoo and his uh, watch uh, and, yeah. and stuff like that. And and that was in just a post-World War II austerity mm-hmm. world. So it showed he was like, you know, top of the class and all all his uh, his finery. Yeah. Yeah. I think when Fleming was writing like that, he was kind of, uh, you know, wishing that he <laughs> yeah. was James Bond, you know, kind of playing out all his, his war fantasies that he never actually got to live uh, necessarily. So it even applies to the author. Yeah. If I were the coolest dude, <laughs> this is what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, like, this might be taking us off track a little bit, but uh, speaking of James Bond as possibly Ian Fleming's kind of uh, naval commander wartime fantasies uh, come to life on the page, does that make James Bond a Larry Stew? Yeah. A character who is sort of all-powerful, all-knowing, can just get out of any situation? Is MacGyver? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess there's still some human element, right? Yeah. Something relatable about the character. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about James Bond right now, surely. Yeah, and I think that in the 60s, maybe that was fine. I mean, I, I, I still enjoy watching the movies from the 60s. I yeah. think they're, they're not among the worst, for sure. Yeah. But, like, he's a really cool, competent spy. That was, that was good to carry the movie. Mm-hmm. That people wanted to see that. When we got to die another day, and it's just like different colors of explosions, the guy with diamonds <laughs> in his face, and like it's just oh, stuff boy. happening. Yeah, and Bond going, "Oh, oh my! Yeah. Now this is happening." <laughs> it, it just it like it didn't connect to anything anymore. Yeah, it was just like fanciful. Yeah, and there was definitely a sense of like deus ex machina a lot where q would introduce some random gadget that has one specific purpose and of course he just so happens to get into that specific situation like the one uh, that i always think of is in tomorrow never dies when he's like driving his bmw from the back seat and the bad guy stretched out a cable to stop his car oh no bond raises like some crazy saw blade at the exact right height to cut that one wire like, what if the wire was two inches higher? Like, what would you have done? It's just, yeah, it gets yeah. a little, little silly. And yeah, and now in the, in the newer ones, they've kind of gone away <laughs> from all the excessive gadgets. It's more him relying on his spy intuition and whatnot instead of just some crazy specific gadget <laughs> that has one particular use. Well, well, he's got more, he's got more like grit and more of a strategic sort of mind in the, mm. in the Craig ones. Like, he's more, it's more just mm. his wits against everything and a lot of rooftops, admittedly. <laughs> Skyfall, they really wanted to be like, no gadgets. They're like, you're in the middle of Scotland. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Here's a here's a bunch of crap in an old house. Rocks and sheep. Let's remake Home Alone in the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got James Bond, and part of part of the appeal is this formulaic, usually like the, the, this this set of beats that it follows. But that can't be everything about why there are Bond fans, because there are tons of movies like that that don't pan out right mm-hmm. they're movies yeah. that are popular and just wane or they're popular because they're popular like um you know maybe nightmare on elm street the first one was good or something but as you continue on they just get worse better example alien there we go ah yes. alien first two great the remainder garbage <laughs> what do you mean alien resurrection is a classic of our time <laughs> like alien resurrection was okay it was like three was bad and four was like okay <laughs> 
But then they kept going. You've got Prometheus and Alien Covenant, but we're not talking about those movies. <laughs> not today. Not today. Well, actually, um, I, I think I think you actually do bring up a good point with those movies in particular, um, because the reason that Alien and Aliens were both so good is because they were so different from each other. They didn't try to do the same thing. They kind of evolved from one movie to the next, and Bond kind of does that to a certain extent. Um, he always tries to stay up to date with the times. The whatever threat there is is always kind of ripped from the headlines, um, and all his gadgets are you know modern and fancy. So the the movies do kind of evolve in the same kind of way as as those first two Alien movies did, sort of. Was the setting ever an appeal for you? Like when you started watching them, like seeing the sixties and and you know height oh. of the Cold War and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit. I remember, like, I started watching all of them because, funny story, actually, um, Die Another Day was the first Bond movie I ever saw when Ooh, I was wow. 12 years old. And I was but like, you kept going. Exactly. Well, a 12 year old Tom had no idea that <laughs> Die Another Day was actually a piece of garbage. He was just like, holy crap, this is the coolest thing ever. I need to find more of this. And then I found out that there were 19 other ones, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then I qu- I quickly learned my, my mistake about Die Another Day. I did the same thing with Doctor Who. I was like, this whole series is great. And then I watched the other ones. I'm like, half of this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> my dad watched the James Bond movies with me when I was pretty young. I, I don't remember how young, but like, he's the reason that I watched them all. I watched all of them up to A License to Kill at that time. And probably because of when I watched them, I had a fondness for them ever since. Hmm. But yeah, you can see the broad appeal to, to especially a young person. Oh, yeah. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not concerned about quality of story, quality of character, Die Another Day is among the top. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one with the Ice Palace? And coming out of out of North Korea? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. They, they, okay. they jam a lot into that movie. <laughs> the Madonna theme song. Oh, God. Don't <laughs> remind me. Sigmund Freud, analyze this. <laughs> <laughs> And with each subsequent one you watched, Die Another Day went lower down on the road. Yep. <laughs> one of the things that I uh, that I came across in my research is, was a lot of kerfuffle around th- stuff like continuity. So uh, I was wondering, actually, Tom, from your perspective, how important is the continuity between all the different movies and, and even all the different bonds? I mean, it really isn't important at all. As long as the movie is entertaining, I don't care that Judy Dench is M for both Pierce Brosnan <laughs> and Daniel Craig when Daniel Craig is supposed to be brand new. It doesn't matter. It's fun. <laughs> Throw in a mention to his dead wife every now and then, and it's fine. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, so many people try to reconcile. and like, oh, is James Bond actually just a code name, and these are all yeah. different people, or is it just one person? Like, It, it doesn't matter. Just enjoy the movie. <laughs> the code name theory. But if it was yeah. code name, it would be amazing because you could just put whoever you wanted as Bond. You still can. I mean, you still can, but they won't. Yeah. No. They're, like they're, it's like, oh, let's have Idris Elba as Bond, and everyone's like, no, you can't have a black man as as James it, Bond. It's like, it, excuse me, why not? I'm sure, you you can. Um, Idris Elba gets trumpeted for both James Bond and Doctor Who every time it's casting time. Why not both? Is that because James Bond is a Time Lord? Yeah, that <laughs> I've heard that as well. Yeah, <laughs> keeps changing his face, and also he's British. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> therefore, ipso facto, Bond is a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. So is Money Penny. So is M. <laughs> I guess that means that all the James Bond stories just take place on Gallifrey, since everybody's a Time Lord. Sure. Oh man, we've cracked this one wide open. Yeah. Is it is it still up in the air as to who's going to be the next James Bond? Officially, yeah, but it's going to be Daniel Craig. Wait, what? He's he's going to do one more at least. But of course, that's not official. That's just me speculating. But <laughs> I just talked to <laughs> I just talked to him the other day, and yeah. What's interesting mm-hmm. is that as popular as Daniel Craig is as a Bond, I was reading this this survey. Uh, it was actually done by YouGov, which is an organization that normally looks at um, government kind of insights or whatever, like demographics around political leanings and things like that. But uh, despite the fact that Daniel Craig is so popular, the most popular Bond is obviously... Sean Connery? Yeah, of course. 
yeah. across all groups, Sean Connery was is the preferred Bond. And I don't mean by a, a small shot. I mean, if he was to be elected the greatest Bond, he would win with a majority, like a clear <laughs> majority on his own. None of this got the most plurality. This <laughs> minority government. Yeah. No. 52% of people in that survey picked Sean Connery as their favorite Bond. Daniel Craig, of course, being the second choice with 16% of the vote. Wowzers. And uh, obviously getting more support from fans who are under the age of 30, probably because that is the Bond that they are most familiar with. Mm -hmm. Also, 6 in 10 Americans are fans of James Bond, and 1 in 5 claiming to be big fans. Hmm. (laughs) No follow-up on what big fans is. (laughs) I mean, it could be like that movie thing from last week, where big fans are people who watch the movies more than once. Yes. How many of the big fans think that Sean Connery is the best one? Is it all? Once right. you see him, is that? It did not say. It. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there was protest for Daniel Craig after he was cast. Oh God, yeah. Really? You can't have a blonde person being James Bond. That's oh, absurd. Wow. That that was the only complaint was that he had blonde hair. Oh wow! In the books, isn't he described as having dark hair? Yeah. So I mean. People were upset about his hair color. Imagine if they did cast Idris Elba, how much people would freak out about that. Uh, if they want to cast someone who, who creates no backlash, the time for that has ended. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because if it's a white dude, it's like, really, another white dude? <laughs> <laughs> but if it's anyone else, and everybody's like, why are you supposed to be white and have dark hair? <laughs> well, so here's a question. Is, is James Bond still relevant as as a franchise like we're just talk at this point we're just talking about literally anyone who could be a spy who's dealing with intrigue around the world mm-hmm. like we've we've already had some born movies we've already had a a ton of bond movies and we've got general spy movies coming out from time to time of various levels of realism i will say the one chief advantage the bond movies have over the born movies is that the camera shows what's happening <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have have you seen Quantum of Solace? Because I would beg to beg to differ on that one. That movie makes no sense. I still don't understand that Only boat once. scene. How does he throw an anchor into that boat and it flips over? I don't know. Oh yeah, we want we, we, we watch sl- that in slow mo like, like five times. times. It makes no sense. <laughs> Must be some oh, secret hidden gadget. It is not a bad question because like feels like Cold War's over. I mean, there are conflicts he can keep sticking him in. That MI six keeps sticking him in. Well, if you want to make a movie that's political about something that's in the present, like we've gotten to the point where superhero movies are doing that. Yeah. Right? Like, isn't that what Batman versus Superman was all about? Well, I mean... Aside from being a terrible movie? <laughs> maybe, like, this is total speculation, but maybe the uh, the case is that James Bond in the 60s and 70s, for all intents and purposes, was a superhero and a superhero movie that didn't rely on big flashy effects you didn't have to worry about hoisting a guy up on wire and making it look like he's flying around well they, they did with the superman movies but i mean like you could make a, a james bond movie relatively quickly and then you've also got like this style just sort of built in because it's british right and americans love british stuff well i mean there's you know there's a point here mm-hmm <laughs> Like I, I'm, I, I will go see the next James Bond movie for sure. But is there anything that Bond does better than any other movie? My point of reference is mostly the old one, so I would say campiness. But <laughs> not, 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 not so much with the Craig movies. But no. yes, yeah. I mean, even if you just think about the last couple of Mission Impossible movies, those are better James Bond movies than most <laughs> James Bond movies. So uh-huh. yeah, there's definitely other franchises doing Most the more, same thing. Like, but- in a Fast way. and the Furious franchise is insane mm-hmm. with like the studs and chases and all that stuff yep. they do. So Bond largely has its name and you know, to a lesser it doesn't have to keep to it, but it's formula. Mm-hmm. And um so, and like it's not necessarily the best of anything, but it is the only thing that is James Bond. Yeah, I think it combines the best of a lot of different aspects together. Mm-hmm. And we might see more of that. Like, do you think we might see them start trying to, like, 
like play around with the with the format a little more, try some d- more different things. I think they have to at this point because they're becoming less and less big blockbuster movies. I don't know. Skyfall made over a billion dollars, so like that was not too bad. Well, why don't they just make that again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where that's where they screwed up. <laughs> not about Skyfall, but about uh, Bond movies in general. I mean, one of the things that really stuck out to me doing all the reading and stuff was just how how much of a wildfire that the first James Bond movie started. Like within within a few years, you got like I want to say with possibly some exaggeration hundreds of other spy movies and like all this interest in in spy stories got uh got people to create all sorts of spy tv shows and then there were of course the inevitable spoofs so condensing all that down into a question just looking specifically at the spoofs in 1967 you've got woody allen's casino royale in the 2000s you've got austin powers i mean like can you do you think you can gauge the health of the James Bond fandom based on on the spoofs that are that crop up around it? They say imitation is the uh, sincerest form of flattery, so I guess so. <laughs> it's uh, like Kurt Cobain's. I, I I realized we'd made it when Weird Al made a parody of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, back when James Bond started, there were movies, but there probably weren't the same quality, the same number. Now in North America, there's probably like hundreds of films released in a year yeah Mm -hmm. james bond doesn't stand out as much also if we're using parody as a measure of you know how popular something is the last austin powers movie came out 15 years ago i know i know and there's been rumors of a fourth one forever and it (laughs) hasn't happened so darn the beloved guru destroyed mike myers so i don't think we'll be hearing from him for a while is it because they're good again? <laughs> could be. Could be. And I feel like a parody of Skyfall is going to kind of fall flat <laughs> yeah. on his face. <laughs> we do have the Kingsman. That, That's ooh. true. That was a fantastic play on the James Bond formula. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy it. Oh, really? Oh, it's so good. Maybe there's something there. Oh, what was the other one that they... Uh, what, Agents from Uncle? The Men from Uncle? The Man from Uncle, which yep. itself was um, yeah. a remake of the TV, TV series show. or whatever, but like, yeah, I think there's just been a lot of things now that have taken everything that was good about James Bond and just moved into other areas. What then sets James Bond apart? Is it that James Bond was the first? Is it that none of these other spy stories have like the cool, suave leading man? What's going on? Why? Why are people still coming out to these movies, these these James Bond movies? Is it because they're Bond movies? Or is it because did people go to Skyfall because it's a spy movie from a respectable spy franchise? I think with Casino Royale and Skyfall in particular, people went to see them because they weren't just James Bond movies. They were also just good movies and great movies in mm-hmm. general. If you took away the James Bond character, if it was some guy named Phil as the star of those movies, <laughs> they would still be fantastic. Um, where you know if you get uh, you get Phil in uh, a view to a kill, it's not necessarily going to work as well. You need the James Bond in in that. So I think that kind of plays the broader appeal is when they are just good standalone movies, people will go see them. Yes, um, like Skyfall. Exactly. The first time where I was like, man, cinematography. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like like in a movie, the first time I was like, yeah. I literally had no idea what cinematography was. Always confused at the Oscars. And then I saw Skyfall and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> Bit of a softball thrown it out there. I'm going to see, see if it's a homer. Oh, I think I know Eric. where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, even, even on this podcast, there have been uh, some comparisons made between James Bond and Doctor Who. You know, James Bond is like the, the thinking person's Doctor Who, perhaps, or or what have you. So, in in James Bond fandom, is there any sort of like question, or do you show off your credentials by saying so and so is my James Bond, in the same way that Doctor Who fans will say like Tom Baker's my Doctor kind of thing? Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, like you were saying before, where Sean Connery is considered the best one. I think if you want to try to seem cool and like you know what you're talking about, then you say Sean Connery is your favorite James Bond and the best James Bond. Um, if you're kind of new to the game, you say Daniel Craig and uh, or maybe Pierce Brosnan and if you grew up with him, um, no one really says Roger Moore or Timothy Dalton or Lazenby at all. Um, 
unless you grew up in that era, I guess. There definitely is some sense of like, yeah, Sean Connery's my favorite, so I'm cool, you know? <laughs> it's your badge. Your yeah. Bond exactly. badge. Um, when I was when I was a kid, when I first started, I was like, yeah, Lazenby. Just because I was like, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I don't like George Lazenby. Uh, he's fine. I didn't realize he was Australian until after the fact. I didn't think they would ever allow a non-British person to play James <laughs> Bond. Apparently they dubbed over his voice. Only like two of them have actually been British, though. Oh. Well, English. <laughs> I mean, Scotland is Britain. Not for long. <laughs> Wait, according, yeah, according, according to England. <laughs> I, I guess, no, it's Britain. It's not oh England. God. I just yeah. realized what the next, so, the next yeah. James Bond movie is going to be about Brexit, guys. <laughs> Brexit oh, and ISIS and neo-Nazis. Ooh. It's going to be great. Yeah, there's still a lot of material for those ripped from the headlines type stories that uh, Bond could be involved in if they go that route. Oh, man, it's going to have Trump. But it can't be Trump for legal reasons. <laughs> I feel like the idea of a spy is much less in popular culture than it was then. Like, I don't know if Bond invented the popular idea of a spy or not. But I feel like, you know, part of the Cold War and stuff, there's there's, there's a romanticism mm-hmm. about it. Whereas I don't think we have that now. Yeah, that's true. We, we, have, we have a very clear idea of what James Bond is. But it's finding another sort of place for him to slot in that that, every, that resonates with everybody in the same sort of role. As we kind of talked about on the cyberpunk episode, like living in a dystopia, the idea of having like a super suave spy just doesn't make sense. You're like, why would you send this guy to kill these people to get this information when some guy probably leaked it on the internet 20 minutes ago? <laughs> like, it's really cool to imagine this guy running around, shooting bad guys, blowing things up, but it, you're just like, it's not even about suspension of disbelief. It's just like that's, I don't know, it's pretty far removed. Yeah, they, they've tried to address that in the last couple, you know, saying that Bond is too old, he's out of date, and, <laughs> you know, outmoded by all this technology and stuff, but you still need someone to, you know, look into a man's eyes and pull the trigger or whatever. Someone to do the punching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but, but that's a really interesting take too, right? Like as a man who is literally just an arm of the government doing its dirty work, but that takes you very far away from the James Bond that the series has been about. I feel like we've we've been getting close to that though. Have, or have we? Am I thinking of Ghost Protocol? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I feel like there's been some of like the government wants one thing and Bond's like, no way, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, in like the past six movies, Bond has been going rogue left and right. He hasn't had like a proper mission from M in decades. <laughs> Can't hold me down with your rules. Yeah, you said that last <laughs> time. <laughs> so... In the next movie, James Bond might be a nerd. What? It's going to be a hacker. Oh, man. God. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine him posting on his Tumblr. <laughs> Bravely posting on his Tumblr. Instagrams of all of his, uh, his captures and kills and whatnot. The terrible spy. <laughs> him grappling with the idea of actually being private or, or actually not being detected in in the age of information no the whole movie is just about him deciding what his uh, facebook privacy settings are <laughs> public no one will expect that relationship status it's complicated it's time to ask the hard questions all right uh-oh that means it's the time of the show where we're gonna ask if you're in or out I'm going to start with G, because he said something mm-hmm. about his dad, and it felt like an emotional moment that I hoped that I ruined. It was... <laughs> no, it wasn't no, an especially no, emotional moment. No. It's just, <laughs> I know, it okay. wasn't. All right, all right. Look, it's, word, words like, come uh, out of my head at a certain speed. They can't be dialed down. Uh, nor edited. Nor, not a, that's not nope. a possibility. Never. Nope. Nope. All right. G, <laughs> yes, are, you, are that, you going to be continuing in the James Bond fandom? Are you going to be getting more into it or less into it? I'm probably not going to get more into it. I'm going to stay at my current level, which is see the new movie when it comes out once and enjoy it. I mean, that's not a, that's not a high degree of fandom, but as we've said many, many times on the show, there's only so much time in a day. I, I enjoy watching the James Bond movies. I mean, you know, especially since Craig come out, has come out. We've had like 
especially since Skyfall. I'm like, oh, this is like a good, as Tom was saying, a good movie, regardless of Bond. It was just like a good movie. I was like, really? I was so excited that that was the one we went to the midnight screening for. It turned out to be, we all wore suits, we all drank martinis. What? (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It was a great night. That was the best experience of, of being a fan of James Bond I've probably had. But if it happens for a crappy movie, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it would lift up the crappy movie. But um enjoy seeing. I hope they try some more stuff. Try and try and mess with the formula and try and experiment with you know, kinds of movie making and, and what they want to do with the character. Mind if they if they cast a non white dude James Bond. I'd be very interested to see that maybe in 2030. <laughs> so I'm going to say I'm in, or I'm going to continue to be in. Uh, Z. I am out. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so very shocking. But yeah, I like eh, in the 90s, basically what would happen with, uh, with me and movies in general was if something huge was coming out and coming to the theaters and everything, whether it was this small little theater in Hanover or this slightly bigger one in like one of the surrounding cities, I'd go and see it with friends, uh, family, whatever, but not necessarily because it was a James Bond movie, just because it was, you know, this big spectacle of a movie with all these crazy stunts and effects and all this other stuff. Z, you got to be part of the cultural conversation. What what culture now? Jeez. Everywhere there's so much of it. <laughs> Old culture, new culture, culture is somehow in between. I don't, I don't even know anymore. iPhones, I I whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, when the Craig movies came out, you know, I went and saw the first two three. I think I saw Skyfall in theaters, but Spectre just I didn't really have much interest in going to see and hmm. I mean, I guess Skyfall was a good movie. Shrug. Good for you to people who can confirm that for you. <laughs> Just don't think about the plot too much, and it's great. <laughs> I could try that. I could try that. But uh, no, I mean these days, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm uh, just like the the majority of film going audiences, and spies just don't do it for me anymore, man. Hmm. Unless. Unless we don't change bonds, we change directors. Get David Lynch in there. Uh, you just want David Lynch man. to direct everything, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. Ooh. Yeah. That would definitely be a a much more rambunctious Bond movie. It would be a bloody affair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I am out. He... Oh, this one's easy. Out! I have disposable income, and will probably see the next James Bond movie regardless, but I have not really participated in the fandom, and to be completely honest, I saw Spectre in theaters and have completely forgotten what happens in the movie. (laughs) Is that the one where they end up on the island, and then they leave, and then the girl gets murdered for no reason? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, cool. (laughs) That was bad. No, no, that's Skyfall. That was Skyfall? That's Skyfall. But I thought I liked Skyfall. I did. <laughs> Does Skyfall take part partly in China? Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, I'm thinking of Skyfall. I completely do not remember Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're in Mexico City at the beginning. I remember the that part. And that's it. And something about being in Italy. It is by far the best part of the movie. That was a pretty ridiculous scene. Dave Batista on a train. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I, I'd have to say that I'm I'm out. I think that James Bond is a, a dinosaur. Ooh. <laughs> Quote Judy Dench from Goldeneye. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A, a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, I believe. Is yeah, the, see, I wish I remembered that part of the line. <laughs> uh, what about you, Tom? Um, I'm in. I will always be in. Um, but uh, definitely the, the degree to which I'm in kind of ebbs and flows, you know, like the hmm. most of the movies were well, not most but half of them are pretty terrible and the other half are pretty great <laughs> so you know you kind of ride the roller coaster and like oh quantum solace that was kind of not very good but oh here's skyfall it's fantastic so yeah i think they definitely do need to keep uh 
keep reinventing themselves, but also not straying too far from what makes a James Bond movie a James Bond movie. Um, they've been kind of getting away from that the last few with all the Daniel Craig. So for the next one, I hope that it just starts. He walks into M's office, M hands him a dossier and says, hey, here's this bad guy, go get him. And then he goes and gets him. And that's the end of it. He never disobeys anyone. Or I, I'm willing to do my job today. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely a fan. I will see the next one three times at minimum in the theater. Um, wow. will buy the Blu-ray and watch it some more then um, as I've done with all the rest. So yeah, I, I would say in safely. Alright. 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. Alright, we're, we're going to move on to Fan of the Week here. Ooh, what did you find? Because I, I found a great thread on Reddit. Ooh, love it. Love it already. <laughs> Always a risky choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's entitled <laughs> How Would You Feel About Bond Vaping? <laughs> Quick reaction, Tom, how would you feel about Bond vaping? That sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, so a couple good responses here. One from RB1138. He says, if it helps you quit, go for it, but the culture around vaping is a douche farm. Next, we'd get him in a flat-billed ball cap and all-over print t-shirts. He's sneaking around a lair, takes a puff, villain says, I'd recognize your cherry anarchy chaos liquid anywhere, Mr. Bond. No one wants this. <laughs> and then another another take on it from uh day of the gecko for bond to vape he would need to have a bespoke vape pipe with a special blend with some unusual mix of scents and flavors all this would have to be prepared by a specialist high-class vape shop located on a fashionable street in mayfair run by an ex-royal marine by the name of james thompson saunders I feel like I could be okay with it if it was in the form of like just touring Q's lab and checking out all the cool new gadgets that he has, and then it's got like them, a, hmm. a vape dart gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Like they just demonstrate it. Bond doesn't get it. He doesn't take it into the field, but they show it off, you know, and be like, "Hey, look at us! <laughs> we know what's going on in the world," and, and just leave it at that. What if he had shuriken fidget spinners? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, vaping vaping is like so. 2010s <laughs> fidget spinners fidget spinners the way of the future i still don't really know what those are and i'm totally fine with that <laughs> they're basically modern day uh worry beads worry stones yeah yeah i can see that i can see that i also don't know what that is but that's fine too i'm sure none of them will come up in a james bond film here's hoping <laughs> i hope not unless he does have some kind of shuriken <laughs> fidget spinner, or he shoots <laughs> A guy's playing with his fidget spinner, and he shoots the guy through yes. the fidget spinner. That is the <laughs> or, or like through the space between the, the yeah. Would what would the one-liner cool. after that kill be? Oh, um, what would he say to the camera as he walks away? I just oh. wanted to take this for a spin. Yeah, <laughs> it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Maybe he's the next Bond. I think what we need to put in Bond is some bullet time scenes. No, no, no. Z just gave me a brilliant idea. The next James Bond is going to be a huge twist. They're going to put Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. And he's going to come in chomping on a cigar. It's like, hello, I am James Bond. (laughs) And then just like start like a whole movie full of one-liners. And it's going to be great. I would watch the shit out of that movie. (laughs) Sony Entertainment, you can send the checks to the next cast. We'll, we'll take Bitcoin. It's doing pretty well. Uh, you can Ooh. do that. Yeah, actually. <laughs> uh, There's a James Bond movie about Bitcoin. Actually, that that, dark that could be relevant. <laughs> like, it could be a thing. I want another movie where the, the climax is someone hitting a button or hitting a different button. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Giant squid battle at the end. I think that's where we got to go. That would have been great. Finally, they're just they've just been holding on to it for the right moment. Exactly. <laughs> so usually this is the part of the show where we try to show off some really cool fan cause or whatnot and try to give it a little bit of a signal boost. I tried really hard to find a James Bond related charity and couldn't find anything specific, mainly because the idea of James Bond is so pervasive that everybody is doing a James Bond slash Casino Royale slash 
whatever. So, in lieu of that, in lieu of one of the greatest action heroes of all time, I will only have the option to shine the spotlight on one of the greatest games of all time, and as a, <laughs> as a corollary to that, one of the greatest charities about a game of all time. Uh, and that is the Race Against Time. Now in its third year of running, the Race Against Time is the next cast annual charity livestream where we work our way through Chrono Trigger, the greatest game of all time, <laughs> obtaining all its endings and also raising money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Last year, we raised over $1,200 Canadian. And we have plans to surpass that this year. If you're interested in checking that out, you can follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Race Against Time, or you can follow updates about the event at raceagainsttime.io. The event will be on August 12th, starting around 10 o'clock, and we'll be playing for 24 hours straight. So whatever time zone you're in, we'll be there at least for some amount of time. So check that out. Whatever your sleep schedule is, we can accommodate it. <laughs> if you are hate listening to this, uh, if you think it's good or even great, if you're listening on iTunes, regardless of your opinion, please leave a rating and review. Helps for people... Uh, find out what we're doing over here and uh, gets gets more i always want to say ear balls which is disgusting <laughs> ears on the podcast <laughs> um youtube twitter instagram and facebook you can find us at the next cast and you can also find us at patreon.com slash the next cast which would be a good place to check out if you wanted to become a patron of the next cast why would you want to do that well maybe you like keeping the podcast ad free you like supporting the next cast and all the cool stuff we do like the convention coverage uh, the podcast that we do uh, the let's plays that we do any of the the content that we produce helping us to produce more of that and to keep it as high quality as you know that it is maybe even better quality who knows even as little as a dollar a month is extremely helpful for us so check that out patreon.com slash the next cast and you can also follow us on twitter well at the next cast but you can also find what we're uh, getting up to on Twitter using the hashtag Fanthrow. Hashtag Fanthrow. If you want to talk to us, be sure to include that hashtag Fanthrow. That's F-A-N-T-H-R-O. That, of course, only leaves one thing. Tom, I'm glad you get to be a part of this. It's uh, Famous Last Words. Ah. Famous Last Words. It's the part of the show where we make a statement or ask a question about the fandom we'll be doing research on next week. Next week, we will be talking about fans of Firefly, also known as Browncoats. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Tom. What are well, your famous last words on Firefly fans? Like what what uh, question or statement or thing are you curious about? Ooh, um, why do people care about this show? I have never seen it. <laughs> Seems pretty generic to me. I guess Nathan Fillion is cool. But uh, yeah. Yeah, what's 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 the big deal? Just it was on for a season, and you know, probably got canceled for a reason. But you know, haven't seen it, can't say for sure. So, yeah, what's what's the deal? Why do you care so much? Get over it. Is what I would like to know. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. That is definitely being turned into a quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man. Uh, how about you, Z? I, I have seen a little bit of Firefly. Um, I, I kind of get the hype, I guess. I didn't see the whole thing. I only watched the first few episodes. But on the last episode that I saw, um, Nathan Fillion's character had to uh, had to duel with somebody. Oh, yeah. And even though this is supposed to be space, with lasers and spaceships and cannons and all sorts of crazy stuff, they were dueling with swords. So what I'm, what I'm curious about is, what is the place of dueling in the world of Firefly? How common is it? Have have famous people been scarred for life from it? Did anybody lose a nose dueling in this world? What's the deal with dueling in Firefly? Well, I have to go last because I'm lazy. So, gee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you don't have to go last. Uh, yeah. That, um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm famous enough for it, but people <laughs> know that I, I, I have a general contempt for Firefly. <laughs> Like, it got overhyped. Too many people have been like, you've got to watch Firefly. It's so good. I'm like, is it really? So my question is going to be, is it really that good? Because I'm going to watch at least one episode of it before next week. Oh, I apparently have to pick out an episode. There's not a lot to pick from. My question is, why hasn't it been renewed? 
And I'm not saying that because it should be renewed. I mean, we've seen a lot less been renewed. Like, uh, what are some things that came back that I can think of? They brought back Prison Family? Break and 24 this year. Like, no one wanted any of those wow. shows. <laughs> uh, there was Arrested Development, which was on for two seasons and then got back Three. on Netflix. Three seasons. Uh, Family Guy yeah. came back after yeah. really good DVD sales. <laughs> twice. Uh, twice. Mm-hmm. There have been a countless numbers. Spider-Man has been rebooted twice nobody wanted any of that <laughs> firefly can't get a second season veronica mars got uh kickstarted oh that yeah yeah it did. yeah 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 but firefly nobody can do it so what's up with that i know the <laughs> i mean they, they, they got a movie or something right so that's, <laughs> there's that they they did yeah so that's my famous last words why isn't there a second season like why hasn't it been kickstarted all right it's uh it's gonna do it i think okay there's still one thing we have to do oh yeah what could that be tom we really appreciate having you on the show thank you very much for taking the time to chat james bond with us oh i always have time to talk about james bond don't you worry (laughs) and uh to everyone out there listening we hope you enjoyed this and uh thanks for listening everyone goodbye bye see you bye scotland there's nothing here's a here's a <laughs> bunch of crap in an old house yeah rocks and sheep let's remake home alone in <laughs> the scottish islands <laughs> except if it was less funny and more sad <laughs> i mean have you watched home alone recently it's pretty <laughs> actually sad and like those guys died many times like that's yeah. not cool that kid has ptsd from all that <laughs> oh he's probably a sociopath Home Alone, but Macaulay Hogan's grow up, and he's alone at home because he doesn't have a family because he because he's alienated everyone. <laughs> oh, good boy! <laughs> it's really heavy.